0: Father, we just come to you. We surrender ourselves, Lord. Spirit, soul, body at your feet. We want to sit at your feet like Mary sat at your feet, Lord. And you told her one thing will not be taken away from her. And we want it to be told about us, Lord. That every time wherever the ministry of the word took place, we were seated at your feet. Listening to every word because we were not looking for man or the voice of men. We were looking for the voice of God to speak to us because we know in that voice there is power. That resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. We haven't come today for anything else but to hear from the living God, from his living word. So speak to us, O Lord, for the entrance of your word brings light. Your word brings healing, for it is written, He sent forth His word and healed us of our infirmities. And I pray, Father, every infirmity, for those who are here listening online around the world of Father, I pray the word will bring healing. You said on that day in Nazareth, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. And I pray somebody, somewhere will be set free today, Lord, through the ministry of your word. For the anointing still flows. It has been flowing for 2,000 years and no power on earth can stop it. And the anointing still sets captives free, Father. And I pray, Father, by the end of this service, captives will be set free. And your word says... The word of God, scriptures brings comfort, strength, and endurance for Lord. And I pray everyone will go comforted, strengthened, and determined in the heart. I will endure till the end. I will not quit this walk of faith. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 When Russia was communist, it's told there was in a country town, a small town, in an auditorium, there was this meeting and the townspeople were called, everybody was called. Those days you are called, you go or you get a visit by somebody else. So it was packed and one of those prolific speakers on atheism, he came and spoke And he spoke and he spoke and spoke, rebutting Christianity. Giving all proofs how Christ was never there, he never died, he never rose again. They all heard. Then he said, is there anybody here to rebut what I have said? An old man came up and stood. And all he said is that he is risen. And the entire crowd stood up and said, indeed he is risen. The man had nothing to say. Nothing to say. Christianity stands or falls on one statement. He rose from the dead. No other religion. Buddhism does not stand on the death or the resurrection of Buddha. There is no fact like that. Neither of Muhammad, Islam or any religion. Any religion. The founders can be forgotten. does not make any difference to that religion. Except Christianity. It's entirely contained in the life of one person. He came. He lived. He died. And on the third day, he rose again. We'll turn first to First Corinthians chapter 15. And verses 1 to 4. And listen to Apostle Paul and what the Spirit says. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you which also you received, in which you stand. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he rose again the third day, According to the scriptures. The entire Christianity stands on this premise. He died for our sins. According to the scriptures. That's what the statement. The writer of Hebrews makes. About Jesus saying when he came. Behold in the volume of the book. It is written. I have come to do your will. We ignore this at our peril because everything Jesus did was according to scriptures. It was written hundreds and hundreds of years before he came. Literally 4,000 years before he came in the Garden of Eden when God spoke over two men, two humans, Adam and Eve, the first to fall. The seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent and he shall bruise his heel It was told about Christ according to scriptures. The first thing that says over there in verse 3 is Christ died. Christ died. If that was all that was written, there's nothing great about it. From Adam onwards, everybody has died. Adam died. Eve died. Cain died. Abel died. Even Methuselah died. Every man born of woman, every woman in history has died. Some died bravely, some died in tears, some died in peace, some died in horror, some died old, some died young, but all died. Because scripture says it's appointed unto every man to die once. We'll say two people, Enoch and Elijah, don't worry, they have to come back and die, because it is. Written they will die. And why did everybody die? Because Adam sinned and man died. So it is not written in scripture that Jesus died because he was a sinner. It is not written Jesus died because he sinned. It is written, Jesus died for our sins. He didn't die for his sins. Because he was without sin. That's the difference between his death and every other death. Every man will die because of his own sin. Because the wages of sin is death. And we will all die. But he did not die because he sinned. He died for our sins. For the atonement. For the remission of our sins. For the forgiveness of our sins. Even his death on the cross was different. If you turn to Matthew 23 and verse 34. Jesus said, from where? From the cross. He said, from the cross. Father, forgive them. A little earlier, a few hours earlier, when Peter took the sword out, he said, put it away. If you want, twelve legions of angels are waiting. One angel Killed 120,000 people in one night in the Old Testament. 12 legions. A legion could be up to 7,000. So if you know your numbers, 7 into 12. 84,000 angels are waiting. And the angels had the swords probably in their hands, waiting for one word from heaven. And they put it back, because they heard from the mouth of the prince of heaven, forgive them. for they do not know. What they are doing. So he did not only die. For the forgiveness of our sins. Even when he was dying. He was forgiving the sinners. He forgave Pilate. Who ordered him to be crucified. He forgave Herod. Who sent him to Pilate. He forgave Ananas. And Caiaphas. Anas and Caiaphas. Who did a mock trial. He forgave the soldiers who were right there, who had crucified him. And he forgave those who were gambling for his clothes. He forgave those who were mocking. He forgave everybody. Tell me who has died like that in history. No one. No one. And it's not forgiving people from a comfortable position. It's forgiving people from an unbelievable, unbearable, painful position. The first thing I have to tell you is, let go. Forgive. If Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, could forgive everyone, and everyone sinned against, we too can. Let go. You forgave the man with the hammer. And the man with the nails. The screaming mob. And Pilate and Herod. He forgave them all. He forgave them all. This is an interesting story. Told about. Queen Elizabeth I. Not the current one. The old Queen Elizabeth I. She had a very favorite. Uh, person in the court. The Earl of Essex. She actually was in love with him. What she did was one day she gave him a ring and said, Earl of Essex, any time in life, you are so desperate about your life, you need help, just send the ring to me. And one day, he was desperate, he had been arrested for treason, and the case was going on, and the court verdict was he has to be executed. And Queen Elizabeth was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the ring to come. So that she could commute the sentence, but the ring never came. And then he was executed. Years later, there was a lady in the court. right, the Countess of Nottingham. She's old. She was dying. And she had one request. Your Majesty, she sent a letter to the ma- Queen. Your Majesty, before I die, can I see you once? When she came, the queen came. And she said, yes. I have one confession to make. One confession to make. And she gave him, gave the queen the ring. She said, how did you have it? She said, the Earl of Essex told me, could you receive the queen? I held it back. Queen Elizabeth I, it is supposed to have said, shook the dying woman until her teeth was rattling. and said, God may forgive you. I will not. But on the cross, he said, Father, forgive him. For they do not know what they are doing. The sovereign monarch of England could not forgive a dying woman. Christ on the cross, the sovereign prince of heaven, forgave everybody. Everybody. So he did not just Die for the forgiveness of our sins, his very life was about forgiveness was about forgiveness. And verse 4 says, on the third day he rose, according to scriptures, when did he rise? on the third day? and he had said, finally he got tired of people says, I don't give you signs anymore. I unbelieving generation ask for signs, signs, wonders, signs. I give you one sign. What is the sign that I give you? The sign of Jonah. Three days, three nights. Three days and three nights. The evening and the morning was the first day. You go to Genesis 1, that is how the Jews look at the, uh, at the day. Evening and the morning, 12 hours, 12 hours, that's the first day. Evening and the morning is the second day. Evening and the morning is the third day. Right? Three days and three nights. So some of you, if you're asking, why do we do not have a Good Friday service? Because simply it is not three days and three nights. And we go by scripture, not by tradition. Tradition does not fit in with scripture. We leave tradition aside. Tradition goes in with scripture. We accept the tradition. Because Jesus himself said, you follow the traditions of your fathers and not scripture. Because if it's Good Friday. Evening and the morning, one day. Then there's only one evening left. And it's risen. Remember, if you meet a Muslim who has read the Bible, the first question you will say is, that, why do you celebrate Good Friday? You don't believe your own scripture. There is no three days and three nights when you celebrate. The first question he will ask you is that. Three days and three nights. According to scriptures. He was buried and he rose again. The third day. According to the scriptures. You cannot break scripture. You and I die. I do not have the power to break scripture. Scripture is forever settled. It is settled in the heavens. In Psalm 138 verse 2. God says I have magnified my word. About all my name. It will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away. Not even a dot, a tittle from my word. So we stand on this, we live by this, we die by this. Because scripture cannot be broken. So the word of God says, he rose on the third day. Because if he just died for our sins, we are forgiven but hopeless. Because if he doesn't rise from the death, death is more powerful. So we all died forgiven never to rise again. Because he did not rise again. We cannot rise again. We need one person who has overcome death and he's the only one. The so scripture doesn't say he was buried. Scripture says he rose. So death was defeated on the cross because he rose from the grave. He's not the only person who was crucified on the cross. Millions were crucified on the cross by the Romans. That's why the Bible says he died according to scriptures, and he rose again according to scriptures. It is the psalmist who said about him being crucified. But when the psalmist wrote that hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus died, the Roman Empire wasn't there. And crucifixion was introduced into human history by the Romans, but before the Romans came, God knew how his son would die. That's why he had to die according to scriptures. So the Bible, would, you would say, why did Jesus come during the Roman age? Because he had to come and die according to scriptures by an age that introduced crucifixion. He couldn't die under the Babylonians. Babylonians did not crucify people. He couldn't die under the Medo-Persians because the Medo-Persians did not crucify people. He couldn't die under the reign of Greece because Greece did not crucify people. Then the Romans came and they crucified people. And God says, Scripture will be fulfilled because during the time of the Caesars, my son will come. So even his death had to be a fulfillment of Scripture. That's the power of Scripture everything that happened in his life was according to scripture. And if we are in him, as he is in us, everything that happens in our life should be according to scripture. You want to know what your life is going to be like? Read this. For in the volume of the book, it is written about me. I have come to do your will. That is the record of the head. So shall be the record of the body. If you are one. Otherwise, two records. So be one. So we turn to First Corinthians chapter 15 itself and verse 12 onwards. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. You need to understand how resurrection is so important. And when people attack Christianity in academic institutions, they attack His resurrection or they attack his death. You ask a devout follower of Islam, what do you think about Jesus? He will say born of a virgin. Rue Allah off the breath of God, the Word of God. How did he live pure life, sinless life, miraculous life? What do you say about his death? He didn't die on the cross. Allah did not allow him to die on the cross. Just took him out. So if you deny the cross, then there is no salvation. Doesn't matter what else you say about him. He has to die on the cross. So everywhere there is an argument against either his death or his resurrection. Death or his resurrection. So if you say there is no resurrection of the dead, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Look at verse 14. And if Christ is not risen, then my preaching is empty. So is your faith. My preaching is empty. So is our faith. We are believing in a man who died 2000 years ago and his bones are in some grave. We are wasting our time. Christ is not risen. Not only that, We have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. We all become false witnesses. We have come for a false ceremony as false witnesses and we say He is risen if He is not risen. What are we? False witnesses. Verse 17. What if the dead do not rise? Then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. And worse, we are still in our sins. Where are we? In our sins. Christ is not risen. We are gone. As we say in English, your goose is cooked. Not only that, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. That's what religion does. Makes you good people outwardly. Good for the society. Because gods have never died and risen. Christ is not risen. Then of all people, you are the most pitiable of people. Because other gods don't die. They don't die. They come and destroy Here your God on the cross he died. He never rose. You're the most pitiable of people. Why are you following him? But verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Remember everything, everything, is connected to his death and his resurrection. Just a few days, maybe just a week or two weeks, we don't know, timeline we are not sure, but a few weeks, let us say at the most, before his death, he had stood before a grave and asked a grieving sister this question, for her brother had been dead not for one day, not for two days, not for three days, but for four days. He asked this question to a grieving sister. This is what he asked. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He did not say, I am the life and the resurrection. Mind you, he didn't say that. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the most important question you will have to answer in your lifetime. Do you believe this? Even if you don't get a zero in your other exams and you get all the questions, answers wrong. If you get this answer right, you'll still make it onto the other side. I am the resurrection and the life. Even if a man dies believing in me, he shall live. Do you believe in this? For the salvation of mankind is entirely built on that promise. He died for our sins and he rose again. And Jesus says, do you believe in this? Look at Romans 10, one of the most well-known scriptures about salvation. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth... The Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Lordship of Jesus. And believe in your heart what? What do you have to believe in your heart? That God raised him from the dead. Do you believe in the resurrection? That's what you believe. That God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. Never ever lose faith in the resurrection. Because you are questioning your own salvation. All one thief, crucified along with Jesus on one side. He was able to sink behind that marred, broken, brutalized body. You should see some of the frames of the passion of Christ. His face, his back, his visage has been changed. Beaten, strips of flesh hanging, hair plucked out of the beard, head jammed with a crown of thorns, completely we say it's changed. But he's able to see a king and a kingdom through it. Why? Because he was watching. Three people crucified. And he saw how different man in the middle was. Because he saw a king, a kingdom, and power. Probably the first words that man heard was that, Father, forgive them. While they were probably cursing those who crucified them, here was a man. forgiving. him. And you know what he says? Lord, when you come to your kingdom, remember me. What was he believing? He was believing in the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ and believing that he would rise from the dead. And Jesus said, Today you shall be with me in paradise. That is all that took for the man to make it. And his entire life of sin and rebellion was forgotten, forgiven because Jesus died for him too. And he believed in the resurrection before anybody else. There was nobody there standing who believed in the resurrection, but this man did. And he is the first of the new covenant age to enter into the kingdom of God because he put his faith in Christ and his resurrection. So the question is, on Resurrection Sunday, do you really, really believe in resurrection? Because right from the beginning, when the kingdom of God, the church started, the issue was with resurrection. The apostles all have gathered in Jerusalem. Jesus has risen and gone. Forty days are over. He's risen to heaven. He's ascended to heaven. And one disciple is missing. Judas, the son of perdition. And listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 22. To select a person. Beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. You want to be an apostle? you have to be a witness of the resurrection. You need to know and believe Jesus rose from the dead. Otherwise, you cannot be an apostle. First condition, a witness of the resurrection. Ten more days later, on the day of Pentecost, when Apostle Peter preaches, listen to him what he says in uh, uh, 2.32. Not one, sorry, 2.32. This Jesus God has raised up Of which we are all witnesses. What are you talking about? They said we are witnesses of the resurrection. When they were persecuted and beaten. And they were released. They went back to the upper room. They gathered the spirit of God. Filled them up. But listen to what they say. Even in that upper room. In 4 and verse 33. With great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. In Acts 17, 18, Apostle Paul, this is what he will say. Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Resurrection. Acts 23, 6. When Paul perceived one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. He split the courtroom into two by beginning the resurrection there. The courtroom was divided into two groups, those who believed in resurrection and those who did not believe in the resurrection. Resurrection was the issue. It changed everything. Resurrection changes everything. Even till today, outside the church, within the church, the issue is resurrection. Nothing else. It is the resurrection. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen carefully. Now we have said the premise about resurrection. Start listening carefully if you haven't been listening so far. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 20. Apostle Paul's prayer. Father, that God our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This should be your prayer. If you are reading this for the first time, mark it in your Bible, keep it in your mental clock, pray this to God. Because certain things have to be prayed, otherwise it will not happen to you. This was Paul's prayer, and he's saying, this is my prayer for the church. That God gives us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. And verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of our calling? What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is it? What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power. What's that power? Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now what God is saying? Through his spirit, through his servant, that our eyes be opened. Do you know what is accessible to you? The very power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to all the children of God. Everybody has access to that power. And we need to know what that power can do. The very power. The absolute, willy really power that defeated death and raised Jesus from the dead. Our eyes would be open. What we have access to. The power. Romans 8, verse 11. The person. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. There is a person and there is the power. The person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, it is that person and his power that raised Jesus from the dead. And he says, if he dwells in you, he will also give you the power. That your life is changed. Absolutely changed. Listen to the key word Jesus uses. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Then you will understand where I am going. You shall receive power when the person, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my, my witnesses. Let me ask you this question to the church. Are you a witness of the resurrection? Nothing else will people believe in this world. You and I are called to be witnesses of the resurrection. And if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, he will quicken our mortal bodies. We become a witness of Christ and his resurrection power. That's why the apostles were persecuted. That's why they were martyred. That's why from centuries Christians have been attacked and killed because they were witnesses to the resurrection in them. That's what Paul is saying, that our eyes be open to what is available to us. As long as we do not have that power and that person and we do not believe and allow him to live through us, they are not going to believe that Christ is risen from the dead. They will say it's another religion. Just another religion. But when he comes and that power comes, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the Ends of the world. Ends of the earth. So let it be from today. For today is the beginning of our year. For Christendom, everything changed on Resurrection Sunday. Till then, the Jews celebrated Sabbath on a Saturday. But Sunday became the Lord's Day. So the Bible says, on the Lord's Day they gathered. Even in the island of Patmos, in the book of Revelation, John, who is a prisoner all alone, he is worshipping in the spirit on the Lord's day. Everything changed. The week has changed. The month has changed. The year has changed. So for us, spiritually, today is the first day of the year. Because he is risen. New life has come. Resurrection power is available. When Israel left Egypt, Passover, they left Egypt. God says, this is the beginning of the year for you. I'm changing your calendar. All these years you followed another calendar. It doesn't matter which month is it. For you today is your beginning. Because you have been set free from the bondage of Egypt. The day we were set free in human history was the day he rose from the dead. That's the beginning. But your beginning and my beginning is the day when we receive and know that person and that power and we are set free. But for that we need to open our eyes. We need to cry out to God, Lord, open our eyes. Of what is the cross and what is resurrection? What is it? Open my eyes. Don't meet me the First Corinthians chapter one and verse eighteen. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is not. It was. It is the power of God. The message of the cross. Who wants to hear about the cross? Because cross, everybody knows, is death. But the message of the cross is foolishness only to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, there is this cross. The cross divides history and divides life. On this side of the cross, it is only failure, sin, condemnation, death. On this side of the cross, there is power, forgiveness, and victory. And God is asking, which side of the cross do you live in? If you don't embrace the cross, the resurrection power is not available for you. And if you are blinded to the fact of the cross, when was the last time you heard a message on the cross? Let us say all of you watch TV channels, YouTube. When is the last time somebody preached about the cross? To deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Because that's where the power lies. Power lies on this side of the cross. Look at verse 23 and 24, what the word of God says. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called this Jesus who is crucified, who is we see both the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is not theology. This is not theology. This is experience. Jesus does not come and give you theology. He gives you Experience. Because the cross has to be experienced. Otherwise you can talk about the cross and read about the cross and never know the power of the cross. Even if you are one of those chosen disciples who walked with Jesus for three and a half years, your eyes have to be opened. Look at Luke 18, uh, uh, 18, 31 to 34. He took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophet concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, will be mocked, will be insulted and spit upon. And they will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things which were being spoken. If your eyes are not opened, you will not know what he is telling you about the cross. Because Christ crucified is both the power and the wisdom of God. To those who are perishing, it is foolishness. Unless he opens your eyes. That's why the writer of Hebrews, because Hebraic believers are under persecution, falling away, and you know what he says, look unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of the faith. Look unto him and he says, I am looking unto Jesus. And what does he say looking unto Jesus? Who endured the cross, despising the shame. He says, endure the cross. Because it's through the cross you receive the resurrection power. You skirt the cross. There is no resurrection power in your life. You just have become a Christian in name and in religion. You are no longer a witness. When the apostles stepped forward into the public realm, they stepped forward as witnesses of the resurrection. They were witnesses of the resurrection because their eyes were open to the cross. And they were not afraid of persecution. They were not afraid of being slandered. They were not afraid of being insulted. They were not afraid of being put to shame. These are the things we run away from. The pain and the shame of the cross. And if we talk about the pain and the shame, it is always the pain and the shame of our own and not because the cross. Not for his name's sake. But apostles the Bible says. Because of the resurrection power they said. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy. To suffer for his name's sake. That's the question. For eyes are not open. The reality of the cross. We miss the power. Of the resurrection. Because Christ crucified. Who was raised up upon the third day. He is both the power and the wisdom of the cross. So the question today is, are you a follower or are you a witness? I am a follower of Christ. He didn't ask you to be a follower. He said, I want looking for witnesses. Are you a witness? For you shall be my witness. Am I a witness? Are you a witness? Or are we just followers? Us. Serious questions. Let not one more resurrection day pass by. All the other things are good. But if you miss the message of the cross. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. It is perishing. Because all around the world. There are people. Who have embraced the cross. Who face death day and night. For taking the name of Jesus on their lips. For them literally to live or die is gain. And they choose to die if they have. They will not go back on him. Because they have understood the cross. And the power of the resurrection. Ask. Because at the cross what happens is. You die. Then only. He lives. We have said he has risen. Really? Has he risen in my life? Let me tell you this truth. He cannot rise in my life unless I die first. Resurrection is only for the dead. Resurrection resurrection is not for the living. If the church today is full of dead people, then the resurrection power will come. But the resurrection power cannot come on the living. Like Richard Bonhoeffer said, the man who was hung by Hitler for his faith, the pastor. He said, Christ Jesus bids every man to come to him and die first, then live." No, we are followers. Do you know what we follow Him for? We want power to live our lives. We don't want destruction power. We want our, so every time people walked around Jesus, He asked them this question. What do you seek? Body one said, I am blind. Okay. I am deaf. Okay. My son is ill. Okay. My daughter is ill. Okay. What do you seek? What did they want? Power on this side without dying to self. But when Mary back everybody left, she refused to leave, weeping. And she saw Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus looked at her and said, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? He didn't ask her, what do you seek? Whom do you seek? She said, Lord, thinking he was the gardener. My Lord's body, they have taken it away. Whom do you seek? And he called her Mary. And she said, Rabboni. To her was a resurrection message given. Because she was seeking for somebody. To her the resurrection message was given. Go and tell my brethren. I have risen to the father and your father. So the question today is not what you are seeking. Whom are you seeking? If we don't bring, come to the cross and receive the power on the other side, we will live as the most pitiable people on earth according to scriptures. If only in this life you have hope in Christ. We pray, Lord, I need promotion, Lord, I need this thing, I need, I need, I need. If only in this life you have hope in Christ, you are the most pitiable of people because you have been asked to live as witnesses of the resurrection. Like Paul says, for me to live or die is gain, for I am a witness of Christ. I no longer live. He lives in me. And when he looks at me, and when he knows who I was and who I am, they will have to say, Christ is risen from the dead. Otherwise a man cannot become like this. There is no power on earth which can transform a man like this. This is resurrection power. This is not religion. This is not religion. This is resurrection power. We don't need one more religion in this world. Even if it is Christianity. We have many. The last estimate is we have 4,240 religions in this world. You don't have to add to it. Starting another one. What we need are witnesses of the risen Christ. So this morning, decide, Lord, I want to be your witness. I don't want to live my life. Then I am my witness. Jesus said, if somebody comes in his own name, you will receive him. But I come in my father's name, you don't receive him. Don't go the way of Babylon. Let us make a name for ourselves. No, we have prayed that prayer a thousand times. "Ah, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom, thy will, and not my name. Not my kingdom, not my will. You not me. You not me. Ask these questions. The power of resurrection. Those people are dying in their lives. Dying in their homes, dying in their churches, dying in their offices when he has come to give us life and life in abundance. That is resurrection power. That's why Paul will say, one thing I want to know, that's Philippians 3.10. Yeah, 3.10, if I'm right, it's 3.10, Philippians 3.10. That I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. That somehow I would be conformed to his death. So that I will be conformed to his life. Because you cannot have his life unless you die for He says, you know what I want resurrection power for? I want resurrection power for to die first. I know in myself I don't have the power to die. Lord give me your power and cause me to die so that you can live through me. We want power to live. He's asking for power to die. And the most powerful thing that can happen to you in this life and the life to come. He will say, behold my servant. Behold my servant, my witness. On earth and all through eternity. Let's go to John chapter 12. And we'll read from verse 1 onwards. Then six days before Passover. Jesus last week, just before he goes in, Six days before Passover. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There were many. They made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. nut anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always, but me you do not have always. I call this the little church in Bethany. You have Jesus in a little house which he liked visiting. One of the few houses on planet earth when he came in the flesh where he was always welcome was this little house in Bethany where there were three members of congregation called Lazarus, Mary and Martha. One house He knew he was welcome. May our homes be a place where he is welcome. Genuinely welcome. He had been there before, but this is his last visit. This visit is different. This visit is different from every other visit he has made to Bethany and to this house. Because this time when he comes, all three are witnesses of a resurrection. All three are witnesses of a resurrection because they know Lazarus was raised from the dead. They know what is the power of resurrection. That's what the first verse says. Where he had raised Lazarus from the dead, Where who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. You can be skeptic about Jairus' daughter. Probably he raised her from the dead maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Nah, she was just looking dead. Or the widow at Nain, maybe a few hours at the most, because he died, has to be buried the same day. The funeral party and the party of Jesus meets. He raises him from the dead, gives back to his mother, walks away. Lazarus, no questions, dead, buried, four days. Four days. No question. No question about Lazarus. You can have questions about Jairus' daughter. Because everybody was taken out. They all laughed at him. when she said the child is sleeping. So tomorrow somebody will say she never died. Because he himself said the child is sleeping. There were no witnesses except the father and the mother and the three disciples. Widow at Nain also will say maybe he was not really dead. Who knows? Skeptics are always there. But what can you say about a man who was dead, buried for four days? What can you say? He came to Bethany, came to the house where Lazarus, who was dead, he had raised from the dead, and they made him a... They made him a... We have lunch, resurrection lunch today. The question is not whether we will eat or not. The question is Revelation 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with me and he with me. They made him a supper question is: will we make him a supper and allow him to come? Because it's not the meal, that is what is important. Many meal is what is important: chicken, hay, mutton, hay, beef. Hay. no, that's not. He says, "I will come and dine with you." What is important for God is not the meal, it's a fellowship. You know Can you eat the best meal, smack your lips and go with no fellowship at all? They made him supper. They made him suffer. Do you know for 2,000 years people will only speak about what he spoke in that supper and nobody knows what he ate in that supper? Something somebody did over there become an issue, of conflict and he gives a reply and he says all the days to come this will be spoken about. Will we at least today because he is Knocking at the door. Food is not the issue. It's a fellowship what is the issue. And he says, I will come and dine with him. He says, we will come and live in you. And we will talk to you. We will fellowship with you. We want to live with you. I in him. He in me. We in them. All one. That's what he said. That's what the Bible calls it, the Lord's Supper. It doesn't call the Lord's Breakfast. Though your communion is in the morning, it's still called the Lord's Supper. It's not called Lord's Lunch. It's called Lord's Supper. Because breakfast, most family members are in there. Lunch, everybody is out. It's one meal where the family gathers. It's supper. That's why he said, that's supper. Will we invite him? They made. What did they make for him? let's go. They made him not breakfast. Have you ever invited a whole crowd of people for breakfast? How long can you talk? Lunch? Supper? They made him a supper. So it's not the meal. It's the fellowship. Little church in Bethany invited him for supper. Can we invite him home today for supper? You have to invite him. Remember on the day he rose and two disciples were walking and talking about and he suddenly third person joined. He's not the fourth man in the fire, he's the third man in the crowd. And he said, what are you discussing about? Oh, you did not know anything about what happened in Jerusalem? How come? And he explained from scriptures, still they do not know because the eyes were closed their eyes were made closed. Whether it's a cross or whether it's a resurrection, if he doesn't open your eyes, you don't know the wisdom, you don't see the wisdom of God in the cross, or bearing your cross, nor do you understand the power of resurrection unless he opens your eyes. So cry out to God, Lord, open my eyes. I don't want to live and die like this. There is something mysterious about the cross and something mysterious about the power of resurrection. I want you to know both. Open my eyes. Because the Bible says, he closed their eyes and they did not know him. Mary saw him. Mary had seen him so many times and worshipped him. This is a different Mary, I believe. I mean, depends upon Mary Bethany Mary or Magdalene other the two or the Cyprian most theologians say two different but when he said Mary her eyes were open and she knew who it was don't take for granted that we are seeing when we are not seeing because if we see we become a witness we don't become followers we become a witness of the resurrection, we don't talk about him. We know him. If you become our witness, Lord, will you come and sup with me? Personal, you can ask. It's not. You don't have to worry what you have to serve him. The Lord of the universe. You don't have to be worrying. What should I cook for him? What should I cook for him? Don't worry. His last encounter with the disciples in the gospel according to John, they all went fishing. They caught nothing that night. And then early in the morning, they saw, see him. They don't know it is him. He's standing there, sitting there. Children! Have you caught anything? They said nothing. They so put the net on the other side. Suddenly they caught everything. Peter says, as Peter usually says, That is the Lord, jumps in, goes. And when they reach, you know what they find? They find a coal of fires, bread and fish. He cooked for them. Yesterday's Q&A, there was a question, will men cook for their wives? Christ cooked for his bride. So he's not saying, can I come and eat? He says, I will bring the food. Will you just let me in? you just let me in. My job is to bring satisfaction into your lives. 5,000 men and women and children ate from that five loaves and two fish which he multiplied. The Bible says all ate and we're satisfied. How can the Lord feed you and not be satisfied? If you're dissatisfied still in life, somebody else is feeding you. It is not the Lord's hand. Still knocking on many hearts and says will you let me in? I dine with you, and you with me. That's what John told. They made him a supper, and Martha served. It's not a small thing. Note that in your Bible, Martha served. The Gospel according to Luke we had heard earlier when he visited Bethany. Again, crowd was there. Lazarus was missing. Some people, they have to die and to be resurrected before they will come for a meeting. You don't see Lazarus in the other meetings. He comes only after he died and comes back. Until a calamity hits somebody, then they will become religious. Otherwise, till then, they will walk around like fools. You don't see Lazarus. Though the Bible says he loved Mary, Martha, Mary and Lazarus, Lazarus is not in the meetings. Now he has come through death, he's in the meeting. But the Bible says Martha served God. Last time it was different. You know in Luke chapter uh, 10 and verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said. Lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore tell her to help me. She's upset. She's not looking at Jesus. She's not listening to anything. In her mind is going, my sister, my sister is sitting there. My sister is sitting there. She is not helping me. Hmm? Betsy? My sister is getting married. My sister is getting married. Not Betsy. Betsy is very happy her sister is getting married. <laughs> she is not Martha. <laughs> and Jesus rebukes her. The worst thing in life you can do is offend a woman. Shakespeare said about it, Hell hath no fury. Hell hath no fury. That too publicly. Mertha, Martha. You are distracted by many things. That is still okay. But your sister has done the right thing. That is a terrible thing to say. Comparison also here. Try going home and and try telling it to your wife. Why do you be always like that? Why can't you be like that? Finished. (laughs) Order your coffin. (laughs) Finished. That is the end of your story. (laughs) If you haven't experienced the cross, that day you will. (laughs) Jesus rebuked her and compared her sister to her. And said she's better. That one thing will not be taken away from her. So you have to look at the background. Offended. It's more easier to win a city than a brother offended. That's what the Bible says. Offense is the most difficult thing to overcome. Most difficult thing to overcome. Do you know how difficult it is? Jesus himself said of all born of women in the old covenant, the greatest was John the Baptist. Of everybody born from Abel onward, down, down, down. Who is the greatest? John the Baptist. And do you know what he said of John the Baptist in Matthew 11 and verse 6? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. John the Baptist was offended because of Jesus, because he was put in prison. So he's doubting all his experiences, everything he has heard, all his sacrifice, everything is forgotten. He sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one to come, or should we look for somebody else? Jesus said, blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. Don't ever take offense lightly. When you reach heaven, you will see how many people missed it because they carried offense. Millions upon millions fall under the sword of offense from Cain onwards. Offended because your sacrifice is not accepted. Your hard work is not accepted. And your brother's is. Why are you angry? First question outside the garden. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Because when I look at your face, I know you are offended. Offended. Saul lost his throne and his kingdom because he was offended that the people, the women sang more about a young shepherd boy than about him. Offended. Be careful. So we go back to that text. John 12 and verse 1. Martha served. She's still serving. This time, no offense. If we are offended, Jesus comes a second time, You will say, oh, he's coming again. He said, you are better than me. You serve today. I am not serving. Pastor said, you are better. You go do. I am not doing anything. No, she's still serving. What changed you, Martha? He says, I have seen the power of resurrection. I have seen the power. Power of resurrection when I look at my brother, that is God. that is the power of God. He was dead, he's alive. All complaints gone because she had seen the power of resurrection. You know what? Martha is no longer a follower. she's a witness. Witnesses serve without complaining. Witnesses serve without comparing. Witnesses serve without looking to the left or the right. Paul will say, I was the least of the apostles. One born out of time, yet I have labored more than all the others. It doesn't because I am least, I work least, I am the least, but I work more. Why? Because I have seen the power of resurrection. The kingdom of God is built by Marthas. Those who are not offended. Around the world, it's built by them. They are not complaining. They are not poor me. They are take, not out, taking out their bone china and best tablecloth and drinking to themselves saying, poor me, having a self-pity party. They are looking. Where can I serve the Lord? They are still serving Him. They are not offended. But public rebuke or private rebuke, it doesn't. Because there is another man over there who is offended because Jesus tells him, leave her alone to Judas. Because after that you will see Judas will go and betray him because he was offended. God is always looking for people who will not be offended. Peter was told, get behind me Satan. He was not offended. Martha was said, your sister, sister, learn from your sister. She was not offended. Judas was offended and he went out and betrayed. I will tell you, look at everyone who betrays in human history. You look into the heart, there's the heart of offense. Guard your heart from offense because you will betray the one who saved you. So that simple words, two words, Martha served. If you do not understand the context and what the Spirit of God is trying to say, we will miss it. She is not offended and she is still serving. Still serving. still, And she is not distracted this time. She is not upset this time. She's not going going to get even mad with her sister because earlier her sister was only sitting at his feet. Now she's going to do something which will look crazy to our eyes and she's not upset because she's not offended. Why is she not offended? Because she has experienced the power of resurrection. She has seen and become a witness. Look at the principle. We look at 1 Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22 to 24. Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from whom do you get your reward? From the Lord. Why do you think you'll get the reward from the Lord? Because you believe in the resurrection. There is a judgment. After death. And it's a judgment of rewards. For those who have believed in his resurrection. Therefore you don't care who says thank you. Who doesn't say thank you. You don't care who appreciates. Who doesn't appreciate. Whether they see it or not. Whatever you do. At a personal level in the home. At a personal level in the office. A personal level in the church. You have suddenly realized. You know what? My rewards come from above. And whatever I do. I am serving the Lord. I am not serving Potiphar. I am serving my Redeemer. Joseph is not serving Potiphar, he is serving God. And therefore the word of God says the Lord was with him and prospered him. For a false accusation he's thrown into prison, the word of God says the Lord is with him because he's not serving the prison warden, he's serving the Lord. Fundamental principle of life. We serve him. And you are free of offense. And how do you free serve him? Because you have seen the power of resurrection. Because if only in this life you have hope, then your hope is connected now. He's got two medals. I have only got one. This only way I can. He's faster than me. I am slow. You know what? I need to break his leg if I have to get faster than him. That's why Cain killed Abel. Okay, there are only two of us. You got here. Okay, let me see who will receive now. I am the only one left. If you paint somebody's face black, it doesn't make you fair. Your color is still the same. That's what it means. If only in this life. That's why the Bible forward says, look, lift up. Think on these things that are above. If you're truly raised with Christ Jesus, set your mind on things above. Why? You'll be able to serve God and serve man without offense. That sister got congratulated. This brother got promoted. Thank you, Lord, because exaltation comes from God. And there is no shadow of turning with me. My time will come. And if I'm right with God, God is fair. He's a God of integrity. He's a God of justice. He will give me my due. If I don't get in this life, I will get in the next. How are you so sure? Because I believe in the power of resurrection. I don't have hope in this life alone. My hope is in the other one. That's what the Bible says. Moses said no to the throne of Egypt. No to the treasures of Egypt. Because he saw one who was invisible. Abraham said no to the error of the Chaldeans and Haran. And went without knowing where he was going. Living in tents with the heirs of salvation, Isaac and Jacob. Because he saw a city whose builder was God. Therefore they had no offense. No offense. Because their hope was not in this life. Though God gave them what they wanted, their hope was on the other side. How can you have a hope if you don't believe in the resurrection? That's what I'm saying. Resurrection is a game changer. When you believe in the resurrection, everything you do and say changes because you become a witness. And Martha saw it. Martha saw it. Without complaints, Without offense, she's still sobbing. It's not a small thing. I'm telling to men, telling to wives, telling to children, everybody. You want your child to change? Tell your child, Jesus will raise you from the dead and the other side, all the rewards are there. Look unto him and serve God. Look unto him. There is a day set. It is called the day of judgment. You don't have to be afraid if you are a child of God. It's a day of rewards. No offense. Or look at the man who wrote most of the New Testament, Apostle Paul. Finally, at the end of his life, lying in chains, a stinky Roman prison, all the churches he planted, he says, all of Asia has abandoned me. Nobody searched for me. One man called Ephraim searched from prison to prison into Rome, finally came and met me. Everybody has le- left me. Demas has loved the world and go. And But he says, you know what? I hold nothing against anybody. I am in court, first appearance, nobody with me all alone. But the Lord himself stood by me. You know why? No offense. Still serving the Lord in the prison. In the right letter to Philippians he says, even these chains the Romans have changed, has gone to the furtherance of the gospel because there is no offense. The Bible says in Philippi, when they are beaten and thrown in the midnight hour, chained and feet in the day, are singing and praising God. The Bible says all the captives were listening. You are a Roman citizen. Why didn't you say when you're beaten you're a Roman citizen? You say it later. You have been stripped. You have been put across the block, naked, beaten, thrown in the prison. You keep your mouth shut. Now you are singing and all the captives. Why? No offense. I' given my body to Christ, He gave his body for me. He can do whatever with this body, no offense. I've given my life over to serve him. therefore whatever comes on the way, no offense. And the Bible says, everybody's chain started coming off. The doors were opened. Why? Because one man believed in the power of resurrection. You can't do it otherwise. You have to really believe and receive it. And you will see your life will change. And others' life will change. Even children. Their lives will change. Verse 3 to 8. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. Anointed the feet of Jesus. Wiped his feet with her hair. and The house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Mary worshipped. Judas complained. Remember, one denarii is a day's wages. And it is worth. Judas is very good. It's 300 denarii. Calculated the price of the oil that is poured from the spike. Calculate immediately. 300 denarii. 300 denarii. Who betrayed him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He brings the poor over there. That 300 denarii is his estimate of Jesus and Mary. Not about the poor. That's how people estimate. When you pour your life for the kingdom and the king. What a waste. What a waste. Why can't you put it in social work, brother? This preaching of the gospel is the saving of souls. For God has put the foolishness of the message to save. You will not understand, brother. You can feed a man till his guilt he won't be saved. But the preaching of the gospel saves his soul from eternity. Put your money where your mouth is. Oh, what a waste. What a waste. What a waste. That's how we see. What a waste. The spirit of Judas. Bible says he poured it at his feet. Luke 39, 10, 39. She had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His word. If you haven't sat at His feet and heard His word, you will not understand those who pour their life at His feet. So shut your mouth. Have you sat at His feet? Not sat in a chair. Sat at His feet. It's a heart. You can sit anywhere. But your heart should be at his feet. Then only will you be able to hear his voice. Those who have not sat at his feet and listened to every word that came from his mouth do not understand when they break their precious treasures and pour it to worship him. They don't understand. Because they have never sat there. Listen to what the Lord says in verse 42 one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. One thing. One thing. Say to yourself, one thing is needed. Early in the morning I will rise and sit at his feet. One thing. It will never be taken away from. It will be never taken from the lives of those who have that one thing in their life. It doesn't matter whether you are a beggar or you are a king. That one thing. Early in the morning I will seek thee. That's King David. And there was one outside the rich man's, Lazarus, head to toe with swords and his friends were dogs. But when that day came, he was taken to Abraham's bosom because there was one thing in his life that cannot be taken away because they have sat at his feet and heard his voice. One thing. Power of worship. Have you sat at his feet? Have you heard his voice? Have you seen the resurrection? Because if you see in the resurrection, it will show in your worship. There's a different worship on this side of the cross and there's a different worship on this side of the cross. On this side of the cross, it's abandoned. You give your everything to the Lord because you say, I worship you. Even if I give you everything, it's still not enough. Who can match you? Who can match you? The carnal will call it waste, but God says worship. Many worship with words. Some worship with life. Listen to the man, the last words of his life, last few words of his life. Apostle Paul, before his head will roll away on a Roman block. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. How does he call his death? How does he call his execution? Going home. going home. He says, you will look at my life. My whole life was poured. From that day he met me on the road to Damascus till today, my life has been an offering. It's been an act of worship. It's not a waste. Act of worship. John 12 and verse 7. Jesus said, let her alone. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Everyone who worships that way, when the accuser comes, God will say, leave them alone. Remember David worshipping when the chariot, uh, so when the ark was brought, what did Michal say? Had contempt. God said, leave him alone. Leave them alone. But look at that. She has kept this day, this for the day of my burial. Mary, what did you know that others did not know? Did you believe what he has been saying that he's going to die? Are you one of those rare people who actually believes in his death and his resurrection? You had this spikeconard, right? Just a few days earlier, your brother died, right? You didn't take it out. You knew something. Nobody knew. You knew I was going to die. Not only that, you knew I was going to rise. Because if you thought only I was going to die, you would be among the other women to cover this fake knot, my dead body. But you wanted to do it before I died because you knew I would rise from the dead. And therefore there was no point wasting it over a dead body. He is living because he will not die. He will rise again. You knew something which nobody knew, Mary. How did you know him? Because that one thing will not be taken away from those who sit at his feet and listen to his voice. They know the resurrection. They know the resurrection. You knew something others did not know. That's why I think Mary of Bethany, Mary Magdalene, two devout women, but are not the same. Did she know Psalm 16 verse 10? Which was hidden from everybody's eyes. Which he knew. Did she know? For you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. His body is not going to corrupt. He is going to come back. You know what? I am going to anoint him before he dies. I am going to anoint him before he dies. Mary of Bethany. At the foot of the cross, you will see the other Marys. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of James and Jose. And Mary Magdalene. But you don't see Mary of Bethany. Why? Because she's already standing on resurrection ground. She's not there. She's not there. Though Bethany is just a few hours from Jerusalem. It's very close to Jerusalem. It's closer than from most people who have come here. Around two miles if I'm right. That's all. And yet she's not there. Why are you not there? Why should I go for a funeral? Because I know he's rising again. I know he can't die. I know what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe in this? I know what he told Martha. I know. And you I'll tell you. I believe in that. How can you believe it? Because I see that in my brother. He was dead. And he's living. Back to our text. Twelve. And verse 2. Can I have 12 too? There they made him a supper, and Martha served, and Lazarus was seated at the table. The only thing mentioned about Lazarus is he was seated at the table. Before that, the only thing that was mentioned about him was that he came out bound in grave clothes. Luke 10, 43, 44. When he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, "Loose him and let him go. Two pictures of Lazarus. The last time you saw him, this is how you came. Next time you see him, he's seated with Jesus. And he speaks no words. Lazarus, do you have anything to say? Oh, today's preachers will bring microphone. Lazarus, please tell your testimony. What I did in your life, Lazarus. What will Lazarus say? I was dead. Now I am alive. I was rotten. Now I am alive. I was bound by the grave and the grave clothes. Now I am alive and I am free. Lazarus does not speak because he does not have to speak because he is a witness. Of the resurrection. He was dead. He is alive. Note the difference. Between the two resurrections. Remove the stone. Lord he must be stinking. Remove it. They moved the stone. Lazarus. He came forth. Bound. Remove the grave clothes. There was another who died and was put into a tomb. Nobody called out, Jesus come forth. He came out on his own. The stone was rolled away by the angels, and his grave clothes were folded and kept over there because grave or the grave clothes couldn't bind him. Lazarus resurrection and Jesus' resurrection is not the same. Because every man who has come back from the dead, somebody has to call him back from earth. Jesus, nobody has to call him back because he has the keys of life and death and of headers. Nobody called him back. He says, I will lay down my life and I will pick it myself. That's the difference. So don't ever think that resurrection is the same. No, his resurrection is different. That is a Jesus you and I believe in. That is the Jesus who will call us out of the death to life. It's a different Jesus. It's not easy. The resurrected life is not easy. I'm telling you it is not easy. Look at verse 9 and then nine, verse 11 and then 10. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only. But they might also see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. And verse 11. Because on account of him many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. If your life is the resurrected life of Jesus. People will believe in Jesus. It is not possible for. It doesn't matter what you are. The Samaritan woman lived with five men, married to five men, was living with the sixth man. After the encounter with Jesus Christ, the townspeople believed in him because of her. Because they knew she was dead. And now she is living. This is resurrection. We believe in him because of her. That is resurrection power. Because you are no longer a follower. You are a witness. Your very life is a witness of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because they see the transformation. Transformation. Don't be a follower of a religion. Be a witness. Be a witness. When they see you, they'll be able to say, "I know who he was. An, rise. Go to the street called straight in Damascus. There is a man, Saul of Tarsus, anointed. Lord, he's a persecutor of Christians. He has dragged many. You got it wrong. That's the old man. This is a new man. This man is not a persecutor of Christians. He's a witness of Christ. The Bible says, Ananias went, laid his hands upon him, scales dropped, God baptized strength, and straight away he went to the synagogues and preached Christ. And they started believing in him. Isn't this man the persecutor of Christians? Now he preaches Christ, resurrection power.
1: So be very careful.
0: This is what resurrection power will do. People will believe when they look at your life. People don't believe in Christ when they look at our life. It's because there is no resurrection power. We are followers and not. What are you? Why oh, I'm a follower of Christ? What are you? I'm a follower of Buddhism. What are you? Follow, all are followers. Hello? Are you a Buddhist? Yes. Are you a witness of Buddha? I didn't even know there was something like that. Are you a Muslim? Yes. Are you a witness of Allah? I didn't even know there was something like that. Are you a Christian? Yes. Who are you? I'm a witness of Christ. In me, He loves. Therefore, I do not fear death. Because even if I die, I love. And I will proclaim Him till the last breath of my life. You can do whatever you can to this body. You cannot shut my lips. Because I believe in Him. That He loves. I'm not talking about a dead prophet. I'm talking about a living savior. You are a witness. Are you a witness? Verse ten, the other group. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Know that. They don't go after every Christian. They don't persecute everybody. They go after the ones who have the resurrection life. Those who are witnesses of Christ. That's why Jesus said count the cost. They don't come after everybody. Devil doesn't go after everybody. Like Pastor Vijay said yesterday, when he said he yawns. Paul I know. Jesus I know. Who? Who are you? Leave me alone. Don't disturb me. I'm sleeping. They will come after you. They wanted to kill not Jesus alone. They wanted to kill every witness of the resurrection. The resurrection is dangerous. If it spreads, the system loses its power. Because there is a power higher than all power which is called the resurrection power of Christ that has overcome death. What can you do to a man who does not fear death? What can you do? The terrorist also doesn't fear death. We are not talking about that. He kills. We die. That's the difference. He kills for his God. We die for our God. The difference between the two. It is the resurrection power. The resurrection will not leave you, cannot leave you neutral. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 to 16. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Both. What are we to one? To one we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other aroma of life leading to life. Who is sufficient to these things? So there is Lazarus. Some believe in Lazarus, in Christ because of Lazarus. Others want to kill Lazarus because of Lazarus and Christ. Resurrection power will never leave you neutral in this world. It will not leave you neutral in the world because you have been taken note by the enemy of our souls. He has marked you. This guy, this woman, this boy, this girl is dangerous. Mark him out. You are a marked man, both by God and by the enemy. Because it cannot be hidden. Because you are a witness. So then the little church called Bethany, I want the worship team to be ready, okay? The worship team is here. Pranit is here. Yes, and the rest are here. Okay, just be ready. I want you to come back soon. Maybe another five minutes. The little church in Bethany had three witnesses. Martha who served selflessly. No offense. You see her still serving. Mary who is worshipping. And Lazarus where is he? Who is seated? Because his life is the witness. What is his witness? Lazarus, what do you have to say? I was dead. I am alive. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 to 6. 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive through with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Lazarus, why are you sitting there? He asked me to sit here. I was dead. Now I am alive. You're just alive? No. I'm not just alive. He has raised me. He has seated me in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above. The hold of every power, every ruler, every principality. What is the end of the devil's power? Death. After that, no power. You know where I am seated? You may see me on earth, you may see my feet on ground, but you don't know where my spirit is. My spirit is at a position where death cannot touch it. And I am seated with Christ. Lazarus, where are you seated? Where are you seated? With Christ. Brethren, where are we seated? In reality, in your spirit, do you know where you are seated? That's what the resurrection power does. If the resurrection power of Jesus Christ raised him from the dead and took him to the highest places and sat him next to the Father, so does everyone who believes. He raises them and seats him up over there. And then when you look look down from there, you'll see life differently. You don't see problems. You see possibilities. Possibilities. You don't see defeats. You see victory. You don't see things. It's like the high-rise buildings at Madhapur. They look so high. Get onto an airplane and wait five minutes after takeoff. They look like matchboxes. Because the building hasn't changed. Your position has changed. Your position has changed. So it differs. If you are on earth, are you looking up at your problems? Or are you seated with him and looking down at your problems? Where are you? The entire purpose of resurrection while we are living is to raise us up and seat him, us up with Christ. That's the, the, the power of resurrection. And that's the witness of the church in Bethany. Let's come to the last part of the message. Forty days, Jesus taught his disciples... Post-resurrection, the Bible says in Acts 1-2, through the Holy Spirit, he kept on teaching them. So teaching never stops. And people are weak. Either they haven't heard the teaching, they cannot hear the teaching, they're not receiving the teaching. Jesus, still, he was going up. Do you know he was teaching? Do you know he was teaching? Look at Acts chapter, I mean, I didn't give it to you, Acts chapter 1-2. He was teaching. And let's go further to another Luke's account about Jesus. This is the last words of Jesus. Okay, last, final words. So hold your recorder because he is going soon. Until the day in which he was taken up after through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Until the day he was giving talking to them. Now let us look at a small picture of what he was talking to them. Because you know what? He said, wait in Jerusalem, all these teachings he is giving. And he's walking from Jerusalem now. Luke 24, verse 40. He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer to rise from the dead and the third day. And repentance and sin, remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning as we are just be given a synopsis. But he's giving them showing from scripture. That's what I ask you always. When you read your Bible, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? If you're looking for knowledge, you will get it. If you're looking for wisdom, you will get it. If you look for Christ, you will find him. Knowledge will take you thus far. Wisdom will take you far. But Christ is the only one who can take you to the other side. Who who do you seek in the Bible? Or what do you seek? From scriptures, from Genesis 1 onwards, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where did John get all this revelation from? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and he was with God in the beginning. Where did he get? On the road from Jerusalem. He is showing from scripture, this is all about me. This is not history. This is my story. This is my story. Remission, repentance and remission. And what are you? You are witnesses of these things. Who are you? You are witnesses of these things. He's walking with them and they're walking with him. And he's teaching them on the walk. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power on high. Don't run out and do anything. Ask for power. Because without power, you can't be a witness. You will be only a follower. And the world has too many followers. Very few witnesses. I want you to be witnesses. Witness will come only when the Holy Spirit who raised me from the dead. The same Spirit comes upon you and induce you with power on high. In verse 50. And he led them out as far as. As far as. You know where his feet is taking him? To that little church with three witnesses. Final journey. As far as. He's walking from Jerusalem to Bethany. And when he reaches his Bethany, he lifts his hands. For there is a blessing in Bethany. There is a blessing in Bethany. Because there are three people in Bethany who are not witnesses of his crucifixion. They are witnesses of his resurrection. Bethany. And he lifted up his hands. And he blessed them. Next words will say, And he rose. Jerusalem to Bethany. What did he teach them? What did he teach them? I don't know how many hours it took. They're walking. Final walk with the risen Lord. Final walk. The disciples. We don't know who all are. They're walking with him. And he's telling them, explaining from scripture, explaining from this is about me. You see, why are you so upset? It was all written. You should ask for your eyes to be opened. Lord, why is this happening to me? Don't ask. Lord, open my eyes so that I know what is happening and I can really rejoice with understanding. This is so terrible. No. No open my eyes. Because in the volume of the book, it is written about you and me also. Because Isaiah says, he has sent, seen the end from the beginning. And Psalmist David says, it is written about you. It's too much for me. It is all my days have been written in this book. Let me ask you this question. Does your head have a different story from your leg? I want to know the story of your leg. Ask the head. It will tell you. He's the head. We are the body. We cannot have a different story from his. Where do you learn his story? Through the spirit. From the written word. Because he said. According to scriptures. So our prayer should be. Open my eyes O oh Lord. Open my eyes. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That I might know who I am in you. I don't want to know anything else in this world. Even if I am a part of your small toes, toenail. That's enough for me. I will be the best toenail I can be in this life. That's all I ask. I want to know who I am in you. Because that is my story in you. I don't want to be a king in this world. I want to be a toenail in your body. That's what David said. I don't want to be the throne... One day in the house of the Lord. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Because when I am a doorkeeper in the house, I am joined with your history. I may sit on the throne and be forgotten by history. But I am a doorkeeper in your house. I am a part of your house. That is what we ask in this life. Don't leave empty, wasted lives looking into the world. Ask, who am I in Christ? I always will close with this verse. The greatest man probably who ever lived after Jesus Christ. Of course, the son of God. is Apostle Paul. You know why? Because two questions. He asked two questions alone. When he saw Jesus, 10,000 suns, the brightness of 10,000. First question fell to the ground. Who are you? Jesus of Nazareth. Second question. What do you want me to do? That's all. Go to the city. It will be told you. And man never looked back. He understood the cross, understood the power of the resurrection. And he became everything that God wanted him to be in Christ. And at the end of his life, he says, I have run my race. I have fought this good fight. I have kept that faith. You know what is there? The crown of righteousness awaiting me. Because I have become everything God intended me to be in Christ. That's a resurrection power. It's not about a world. It's not about a career. Kings have died. Kings have been forgotten. Emperors have been forgotten. Stars have been forgotten. God's people are never forgotten. Abel is dead, but he still speaks. Still speaks. Because he has a witness of Christ in him. The witness of Christ always speaks. Because that witness cannot be killed. It cannot be destroyed by man or powers of darkness because it is the very life of Christ in Abel it will speak for all eternity shall we sing shall we stand can, we ha- can I have in Christ alone in modern times I think that is the best song scripturally not tune, tune is good But the words. I don't think there is any song in modern times that has come. Though many churches stopped singing that song in their churches, they said, we will sing only if you remove that words. The wrath of God was poured upon. We don't like the wrath of God. They said, take it off. Otherwise, we won't sing that song. But the wrath of God was poured upon Him. That's why we are standing here free. Let's sing that song. Christ alone
2: Hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This corner stone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest round and storm. What heights of love! What depths of peace! Alone, who took on flesh fullness of God in hell This babe This gift of love And righteousness gone by the ones He came to save Till on that cross As Jesus died The wrath of God was that for every sin On Him was laid Here in the temple of Christ I live There in the ground His body lay Light of the world By darkness lay, Then bursting forth the grave heroes again, and as He stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me, for I am His, and He is mine, bought with a precious blood. Christ in me From life's first ride To final bread Jesus commands my death
0: As we stand here in his house, we identify both with his death and his resurrection. That was our baptism. Died with him, buried with him, and raised up together with him to the highest place. Seated with him, not seated outside the gates. Seated with him. This morning I asked my wife, Sister Elsa, to come, Pastor Victor, to come. We will pray. We need a microphone. So could you please lead us in prayer?
3: you spoke to me today. And today we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Lord, you are good and your mercies endure forever and ever. We thank you today, Father. Truly, truly, we want to say thank you. You brought us through. Another Resurrection Sunday in the house of God. Another day to praise you. Another day to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If it wasn't for the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us, we wouldn't be standing here on Resurrection Sunday. We wouldn't be standing here praising him. We wouldn't be saying in Christ alone my hope is found. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you. We are grateful, 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 grateful to the God we serve. Grateful for what you've done in our lives. Grateful for what you brought us through all these months, all these years. Grateful, 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 my God. We are so grateful, my God. Oh, Father, how could we not say thank you, Jesus Thank you. Can we just thank him today and say thank you, Jesus, for another Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. All these years, all these months, the years of COVID, the years of all the heartache and pain, the years of testing time. We stand here because our God is good. We stand here because our God is awesome. We stand here because without Jesus, we couldn't do this, my God. And we say thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for bringing Rachel Betsy through, my God. We thank you. What a privilege. What an honor. What a testimony. What a witness of Christ. To be standing here in the house of God. Who would have thought you would have brought her here today, Father? It's only God's goodness. It's only God's grace. It's only God's mercy. You brought her here, my God. We thank you for Bijou and Priscilla. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you made a way, my God. And we bless them as a church. And we pray, my God, that you will prepare them for the next 24 hours. As they make this covenant with you, my God. We say thank you. We say thank you. We don't take it lightly, my God. We don't take anything that you give us lightly, my God. We say thank you. We say thank you. Thank you for everyone that's in the house of God today. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you. Thank you that you rose again for a sinner just like us. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you. We praise you, we worship you, we give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Father, now I take authority in the name of Jesus. The resurrection power was not in vain and to be wasted. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. For your word says you have raised him to the highest place and given him a name above every other name of God. Disease has a name. Restlessness is a name. Anxiety is a name. Fear is a name. Worry is a name. Famine is a name. War is a name. Pestilence is a name, but you have the name above every other name of father. Therefore, I take authority in the name of Jesus. And I command that spirit of fear to leave the lives and the minds and the hearts of your people in the name of Jesus. I command sickness to leave the bodies of God's people in the name of Jesus. For the word says the body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Your word says in Psalm 107, verse 20, I send forth my word and you are the word of God. Send forth my word and heal you of your infirmities. And the very spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that was the same spirit that anointed him. And he said, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. Break free today in the name of Jesus from the clutches of sin and the clutches of Satan. For he speaks deliverance to the captives. No man has to be bound by sin again. Because Christ has paid the price in full on the cross. He has set the captives free. Be set free in Jesus name. You don't have to walk alone. For you shall call him Yeshua. For he shall save his people from his sins. You don't have to struggle alone. Or you shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. When the spirit of God comes in you. And embues you with power. He is with you. To break the power of sin over your life. That is the resurrection power. That is the power of grace. If all Israel that came out. And was written. There was none feeble among them how much more those who are endured of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant there was none weak among them they have been endured with the very power of the Spirit of God today who are here in the house various places around the world listening online wherever you are in the ICU listening in the hospital beds listening in the homes listening in the underground churches around the world listening Receive power of God. Be filled in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the name of Jesus. Receive the power of God. Whatever you are struggling in. There is resurrection power available. To triumph over it. As Paul said, he takes us in triumph every day and every place in Christ Jesus. Not in defeat, but in victory. In victory. In victory. He takes you day by day. The resurrection power of the Lord. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Receive it in Jesus name. Walk in victory. Walk in joy. Walk in peace praise. Walk in adoration and walk serving Him selflessly. Be a Martha. Be a Mary. And be a Lazarus seated with Him. You don't have to say anything sometimes for your life is your witness. I was dead. Now I am alive. No offense. Pour out your life as a drink offering to Him. It will not be forgotten. Those who come against you, God will say, leave her alone. Leave him alone. Thank you, thank you, Father. We just thank you. Your house, we want our houses to be Bethany's. Jerusalem has much glory for the crucified you there. But it was in Bethany the witnesses were you didn't go to heaven to your father from Jerusalem. You went to your father from Bethany. Let our house to be a Bethany. A witness of the risen Christ. Every house, every life standing here, be a witness to Christ. So in his house, by faith, we will lift up holy hands. By faith, lift up holy hands. And we shall bless the Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. And we declare in your house, Jesus, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. By the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with every one of us. Amen.